Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach, a modern recruiting and compliance software solution. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show, and please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. This week, I'm excited to be spending time with someone I've gotten to know quite a bit recently, Hunter Yaw, co-founder and CEO of LogRock, a company providing best-in-class digital tools to ensure compliance. Welcome to the show, Hunter. Great to have you on. Jeremy, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we've gotten to know each other quite well uh, over the past several months. Uh, I'm glad to finally get you on the show and, and talk about your background, what got you started in the trucking industry, as well as you know what led you to, to co-found LogRock. I'm anxious to hear more uh, about what you built with LogRock and, and how you're partnering with other companies like DriverReach, uh, to protect companies from the ever-increasing risk of, of nuclear verdicts and settlements, as well as uh, DOT audits, fines from DOT audits. Um, and I also, uh, I, I know there's a wealth of data that, uh, that you provide so companies can better identify ways to improve. So hopefully we can discuss that as well. And then, of course, we'll also uh, answer a question submitted by a listener during our Deeper Dive uh, segment. Does that work for you? Sounds amazing. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Well, uh, let's, we'll get started here. Uh, you know, first of all, you're a well-traveled man. I don't know anyone besides you who uh, who's in a different place around the world every time I talk to them. So that's really exciting. You're, you're always a lot of fun to talk to, very engaging, uh, very knowledgeable. Uh, before we dive in, I'm curious if there's a, a recent book, you know, uh, or a favorite book that you recommend that was influential to you or um, that you just really enjoyed. That's a good question. I... Uh, have recently been reading uh, Ray Dalio's latest book on on basically what causes um, macroeconomic cycles and what causes uh, economies to succeed as a whole and to fail as a whole. Uh, and I think you know the time that we're living in, especially these last couple of years, how drastically things have changed from what for most of I would imagine almost all of our adult lives has been a, a very stable period into the sort of clouds that were came at us out of nowhere with COVID. And now we're just when we thought we were clear of that, it feels like the horizon is darkening. Um, and, you know, I found it uh, interesting because it, it sort of puts these things in perspective. And the point that he makes is that if you take a step back and you look at uh, the, the, you know, the history of the last several hundred years, it's actually pretty normal for uh, countries and, and, you know, empires and civilizations to rise and fall and for market conditions, and especially, uh, you know, the questions of debt and money and the value of money, to go through some, you know, pretty substantial shifts. Um, and the tricky thing, of course, is that in the space of any one person's lifetime, everything that happens if you if you live through one of those changes is almost certainly something you've never been a part of before, because almost all of us have lived most of our lives in a very stable period, and potentially we're entering one that's quite different from that. But these are all things that have happened before. What's the old saying that history history may not repeat itself, but it rhymes. Um, yeah, and I think there's 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 something to that. So uh, I've been reading it recently. It's a very dense uh, uh, text. So I, I would be lying if I said I'd burn through it in a night or anything like that. But I've I found it um, almost even say comforting to take some sort of solace in the idea that as challenging as uh, I think the period that certainly we're now and almost almost certainly the one that lies ahead is going to be for all of us. Um, you know, we're not the first or the last to navigate that. And if you look back in history, a lot of cool things have actually also come out of some of the adversity and the difficulty that comes from a, you know, a cooling uh, um, economic climate and market situation. And, you know, 
as folks are in the in the transportation industry, the fact that all that is happening at the same time as the freight markets are cooling down, you know, it's it's not it's not easy, and it's and it's gonna uh, there's gonna be a, of course a bunch of negative side effects, but um, but also helpful to to put it in that broader context. So I've I've been enjoying that. Well, I read uh, Ray Dalio's book uh, Principles. And you yes. talk about a dense book. That was fantastic. Uh, almost all of it was fantastic. There's some, some, some things that were, I think, a little bit, you trying to apply uh, technology and stuff to some of the logic, I, I thought was a little bit challenging. But I think overall, I really took a lot away from, and, and it was uh, also a very dense book, you know, so. He's, but, he's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a lot smarter guy than I'll ever be. So if I, if I can keep up with half of it, I'm, I'm happy. But, um, yeah. but the perspective is valuable for sure. So a, a number of mutual friends had suggested that you and I, you know, need to meet, you know, many months ago. And, and, and it took a little while before we finally, you know, got a meeting scheduled. But, but then it was clear right away. I felt like uh, there was a lot of opportunity for us to work together. So really excited about that. And, and I know some of your background, but just for the audience, you know, if you could share, you know, what is your background? What, who, who is, you know, Hunter Yaw? What got you into the, the trucking industry as well? Well, like, I feel like, the majority of folks that I come across in the trucking industry uh, and in transportation in general, uh, it was uh, random accident and happenstance uh, uh, more than more than uh, anything else. I wish I could say that it was the grand plan all along. Um, my first role in, in in transportation and in technology for for transportation um, was at a company called LoadSmart, which is a digital freight broker. Um, I was fortunate to join LoadSmart when it was still, you know, there were maybe 10 or 15 people in the company, really, the early days. Um, we were in a, a third floor office with no elevator and a floor so creaky that if you didn't keep your hands on your desk, your chair would slide to the other side of the room. So, you know, that kind of early stage startup experience and and was fortunate to be able to be part of, of a team that, that built LoadSmart from um, what at the time was really just a nascent digital broker to what is now a company doing you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of, 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 of business a year. Um, and uh, scaling a team from 10 or 15 people to, I think, around 600 when I left in the space of four years. So um, that was a, a, a wild ride is, is probably an understatement. I mean, working in freight brokerage in general is a wild ride no matter what. But when you're, when you're growing like that, it's, it's even crazier. But that was my first exposure to the, um, to the transportation space, to supply chain technology. And uh, I'm grateful to the you know the founding team there, to Ricardo and, and to Felipe for for sort of bringing me in and giving me the opportunity to learn. Um, I could not spell drop hook. Uh, I I, th- I thought reefer was something else entirely. Um, and so you know there's a lot uh, for someone coming into the industry to, to pick up. But was fortunate in my in my time there uh, 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 to get that opportunity to to learn and to grow and to see um, the opportunities that exist in in supply chain to to make things that little bit more efficient, that little bit better. Uh, and my co-founder and I you know, both were on that journey together. Uh, and that ultimately led us to feel that it was uh, really the, the beginning rather than the end of this uh, sort of um, uh, set of, of opportunities to try to add value to the transportation industry by providing better digital tools, by providing better software. Um, now, you know, there's a flip side to that, of course, as as you know, and as anyone who's who's really committed to to building better tools for trucking companies, for shippers, for brokers, that there are a whole bunch of people with a technology or a software background who you know come stumbling into the transportation industry, um, and you know say, oh, it's it's okay, the guys from Silicon Valley are here, everything's going to be fine now, um, and uh, that's not the right approach. You have to be respectful of the industry. You have to be understanding of, of the fact that, you know, there are folks who've been doing this for a long time and sure, maybe the, the software that they use isn't the prettiest you've ever seen, but 
it's what's been keeping the country moving. And, and, you know, you need to be respectful of that rather than condescending, but at the same time, look for opportunities to add value to see if you can find ways to make folks' lives a little bit easier. And, uh, you know, we ended up uh, uh, focusing on the least sexy, least <laughs> exciting thing <laughs> that human beings can possibly do, which is uh, uh, helping uh, uh, you know, mid-sized fleets, uh, uh, small to mid-sized fleets, manage uh, compliance with federal regulations with Department of Transportation and, and Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration uh, uh, regs, um, as well as, you know, some state uh, rules and regulations. Um, it's not sexy, but uh, I think part of what we learned in our time at LoadSmart was that uh, you know, there's a need for people to really double click on some of the the more deep and narrow areas and say, hey, is there, there's been a generation of software that's that's tended to try to do everything for everyone. Maybe the, maybe the way now is for, for companies to be just incredibly good at one thing and to all connect with each other. And this is something you and I have talked about and, and why we're excited to, to partner and to work with, 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 with the driver region and with the team and the software that you've built. Because ultimately, we think that's the, that's the path forward is for people to be exceptionally good at one thing, to add a whole bunch of value to their customers, and then to seamlessly plug into all the other folks that have the same philosophy, but that happen to have focused on something else. Um, and so that uh, kind of realization and understanding that compliance and DOT compliance is it's two things, you know, in our view, it's, it's critical, but it's also a data problem. And data problems are a problem that software and technology can actually add value to. So that was an area where we thought, okay, if, if we, you know, really lean in and engage here, there's a good chance that we're going to be able to build something that's actually going to make folks' lives easier, you know, working within the compliance team, add value to the owners of trucking companies, and, and really make a difference. So um, that was the kind of winding path both in, into transportation and then, and then uh, uh, from, from, from digital freight brokerage into DOT compliance. <laughs> I wish I could say that I'd planned the whole thing out, but there's definitely a, a lot more of the random than anything else in that. Well, you and I have done the same thing. I think, you know, we started getting, we were in the industry, from the industry, and then recognized opportunities to apply uh, better technology or in some cases, you know, non-existent, you know, uh, create a new path from a technology standpoint. And uh, but I'm but I know what it takes to to start something from scratch as I've done that myself. And it's it's a lot of work. So I'm, I'm flabbergasted. What's what was your inspiration for for going out uh, on a limb and like, you know, just because that takes it takes some stones, you know, uh, you know, and starting a company from scratch. What what hey, what was your inspiration? And then and just for the sake of the audience, just for um, uh, for brevity's sake, what is LogRock for for those who aren't familiar with you yet? Sure. So I can I can start with that. Um, but what is LogRock is easy because we only do one thing. Uh, so LogRock uh, builds technology and software to help trucking companies, primarily uh, uh, mid-sized fleets stay compliant with DOT rules and regulations. Our goal is to help you be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to compliance, to help you reduce your number of inspections, to minimize the risk of an audit, uh, and as a result of that, to drive down hard costs on everything from uh, insurance, out-of-service violations, and even uh, uh, critically, as you and I have talked about, uh, have a, a, a tailwind effect or a positive effect on things like driver retention and driver recruiting. It may not be obvious that all of that uh, uh, can be impacted from having better DOT compliance, but but that is the case, and you know we've got hard data behind that. Um, and LogRock's mission is to make the process of staying compliant with DOT regulations easier, uh, more manageable, faster, uh, and ultimately smarter by by generating insights and helping folks uh, uh, be able to to really achieve that proactive uh, uh, attitude and 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 uh, uh, strategy when it comes to managing compliance. The uh, you know the, the the way that we 
came to understand that was seeing what a real challenge this is for trucking companies. So if you have 30 drivers in your fleet, there's about 1,090 documents that the Department of Transportation or the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration expect you to have, not just you know somewhere gathering dust in a, in a, dust in a, in a filing cabinet. They have to be up to date, properly formatted, and the vast majority of them are going to expire on a regular basis and need to be promptly renewed. 1,090 documents if you've got 30 drivers. For anyone who's worked with a 30 truck or a 30 driver fleet, these are not you know, the Swifts, the Knights, the, the, you know, the U.S. Expresses of the world, they don't have 50, 100, you know, 500 people in a back office ready to catch all of that work. And if you, you know, extend that a little bit forward, if you've got 100 drivers, that goes up to 5,600 documents that you have to be actively staying on top of. So, you know, the burden is enormous, uh, uh, whichever way you slice it. And unfortunately, the stakes are also very high. Uh, in a world where the number of lawsuits that trucking companies get dragged into has increased year over year with no end in sight. Um, but the other critical piece of the puzzle is that those lawsuits haven't just impacted the cost on the trucking company and you know, are not only a lot of the reason that commercial automotive liability costs have gone up 50% in the last 10 years for trucking company owners. That means on a, you know, on a real basis, they, they are spending nine cents a mile for their insurance, just their liability insurance. Whereas 10 years ago, that was six cents a mile. It's a big difference on your bottom line, especially in a business with, you know, three, four, five, 6% margins. Um, so it's not just that. The trick is that there's also been this pressure that's now put on brokers and shippers, where if as a trucking company, you get audited, and you get into a conditional or unsatisfactory status, and over half of the trucking companies that have been audited so far this year have gotten into a conditional or unsatisfactory status, shippers and brokers are going to shut you off. They're going to cut off access to spot freight, to RFPs. Uh, you're going to be out in the cold. Whether or not that's justified, it's an unfortunate reality. And the reason for that is that the same you know, blood-sucking trial lawyers that started going after the trucking companies have now realized, hey, the brokers and the shippers have got even bigger pockets. C.H. Robinson is getting sued. They're getting hit from all sides. And a couple months ago, they went to the Supreme Court. It's a very pro-business Supreme Court looking for some help saying, hey, guys, we're asset light. I don't employ drivers. I don't, I don't own any trucks. Why am I being held liable for an accident? That's not fair because that was what happened. They got sued post-accident based on the behavior and, and the gaps in compliance of a trucking company that they had tendered a load to. They didn't employ that driver. They didn't own that truck. And guess what? Supreme Court said, ah, you know, we're not even going to look at this. The previous decision, which said that CH has to defend the case, stands, and now everybody's going to court. Do they win? Do they lose? It almost doesn't matter at this point because every broker and shipper in America is looking at this going, oh my goodness, do I know whether every trucking company I tender to load to has all of their paperwork in order? Are all of their tractor and trailer inspection reports, preventative maintenance, driver qualification files, have they crossed all their T's? Have they dotted all their I's? And if not, am I going to end up in court giving a deposition, getting sued because I tendered them one load and that load resulted in an accident where there was a fatality or an injury? Unfortunately, the answer to that question now at best is maybe, and in some cases, the answer is, yep, you're going to have to face that music. So the pressure on trucking companies to stay on top of all of this, not just to steer clear of lawsuits and challenges with the DOT in the first place, but also to preserve access to that premium freight it's enormous. The stakes couldn't be higher. So compliance is not sexy. I'll be the first to admit that, but it's critical, and it's you know it's a big uh, it's it's a big uh, uh, part of helping trucking companies kind of keep their heads above water in what is already a, a different uh, uh, market. And you know, you and I have talked about how that fits into broader trends in software and, and supply chain. But that's ultimately how we came to you know get really excited about trying to help trucking companies do it better. Well, compliance, while you say it's not sexy, and I and I get that, it's foundational. It's fundamental to, 
to the to the industry and certainly to recruiting, qualifying, hiring uh, drivers, and then you know maintaining you know driver qualification files and so on, kind of the documents that we're talking about. So, and I think there's this you know, especially for you know smaller fleets who might say you know, yeah, those huge lawsuits, like that happens, but that's the big boys. Like I see that, you know, the article and the trucking, you know, uh, newspapers and such that that's not us though. Right. That's not going to happen to me. Come on. They, they, they don't come after me like that. And how do you, how do you address that? Because I think there is a misperception maybe that it's just the big names and, uh, and, 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 and they're sort of maybe safe or less likely to get hit with these huge nuclear verdicts. You know, I, I it's it's unfortunate that you're absolutely right that that is a, a common misperception. Um, you know, let me clear up a couple things there. The way that, uh, for example, a trucking company gets selected for an audit is not going to be dependent primarily on the size of the fleet. It's going to be dependent on how the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration sees you and whether they believe that you are playing by the rules or not. And the number of factors that goes into that isn't just limited to, you know, do you have safe drivers? Are they the safest drivers? Does it appear that, you know, you're, you're, you have a strong safety culture? A lot of the way that that gets assessed is by checking and seeing when we pull these folks' paperwork or when we're looking into their LD records, when we're checking secondary data sources like their, you know, their fuel logs to see what was the driver's duty status when they were fueling the truck, what do we find? And if the answer to that is, whatever we're finding reveals gaps in their compliance armor, that there are instances of them failing to observe federal regulations, which the owner may or may not have been aware of, whether or not it was intentional, they're going to have to go and figure that out. They're going to have to go and double click on that because unfortunately, the number of accidents and fatalities resulting from accidents in which a truck was involved last year was a huge jump on the year prior. And the statistics look like it's going to be higher this year over last year. Now, Anyone who does deep analysis of that, and the American Transportation Research Institute has done some some very compelling work here. They just released a report last week that I would encourage everyone to take a look at to understand what's driving crashes. There's all sorts of things going into this. And a lot of it has to do with the behavior of folks driving passenger vehicles, not the trucks, right? People are distracted. People are on their phones. There's all sorts of factors going into why the number of crashes are increasing. But what that does not change is the pressure on the government to act and to show that they're going after everybody who's creating risk and making America's roads more dangerous. And one of the unexpected uh, effects of, of COVID, of all things, is that the process of auditing trucking companies, which used to be an actual knock on the door, were here, give us a conference room, give us a desk, and start passing over boxes of files because we're going to go through them. That process went online for obvious reasons. But what the FMCSA has found is that if I'm an investigator who audits trucking companies, I don't need to limit myself to the ability to audit one company at a time because I have to be in their office to do it. I can be sitting at home or I can be sitting behind a desk and I can audit multiple trucking companies, three, four, five trucking companies simultaneously. I've got different tabs open on my browser. And while I wait for uh, John's trucking to produce a document over there, I'm going to go back to auditing Mike's trucking's logs. And as a result, we're seeing an increase in the number of audits. We're seeing it, uh, that over half of trucking companies are coming out of an audit with a conditional status. We're seeing increasing pressure on brokers and shippers to stop working with trucking companies that don't have a pristine record. And as if that wasn't enough, 
these hordes of, uh, we used to say ambulance chasing lawyers, now they're truck chasing lawyers, which by the way, it's fascinating. Another American Transportation Research Institute study showed that a lot of these lawyers that are chasing these trucking companies, they were the guys that used to be suing doctors and medical insurance companies. But tort reform, and as if compliance wasn't boring enough, now we can talk about reforming the laws around who can sue who. But you know, changes were made on the state-by-state and a federal level to make it harder to sue doctors and harder to sue medical insurance companies. So guess what these folks did? They started organizing seminars in Las Vegas and Orlando, and they retrained. You used to be able to recreate the conditions in a medical operation and prove that the doctor was at fault. Guess what? Now they can recreate accidents. They used to go through the doctor's office's paperwork to see whether everybody was properly trained and certified. Guess what? Now they can read a driver qualification file. And these folks speak DOT fluently. They know the regulations backwards and forwards. And if they come to grab your paperwork, they're going to find something. And you do not need to be a 3,000 truck organization to capture their interest. If you're running 30, 40, 50 trucks, you're booking tens of millions of dollars a year in business. And to a jury, unfortunately, they're going to make you look like corporate America. They're going to make you look like the rich guy. You may be an owner who started out as a driver, an owner-operator, and built a fleet from one truck to five trucks, 10 trucks. Anybody who knows you knows that you are an entrepreneur, an honest business person who built something from scratch. But at the end of the day, if you made 10, 20, 30 million dollars in t- gross line revenue last year, remember, we understand, folks in the industry understand that you're, you know, three, four, five percent margin business. The fact that you booked 30 million dollars in freight doesn't mean that that's what you took home. But to a jury, that's exactly what it looks like. And that's exactly how you're going to be presented. And suddenly you're the fat cat with the, the monocle and the cigar facing, you know, a group of people that are just being convinced that you don't care about safety and you're actively out there trying to kill folks on the road. And then when that turns into a multi-million dollar award against you, even if your insurance company pays up, now you've got to cover the rest. And even if you somehow do that, your insurance costs are going to be so high that for the next you know, five years, you're barely going to make ends meet. And all of that because you were missing a piece of paper. So whether you're 30 trucks, 50 trucks, 100 trucks, 150 trucks, you have got to take your compliance to the next level. And that's why we're trying to do everything we possibly can to help trucking companies achieve that. Fortunately, you know, we've been fortunate to be able to, to build some software and some tools that, that go a very long way uh, in conjunction with the lawyers who defend trucking companies, uh, organizations like the American Transportation Research Institute and others that are trying to inform and train uh, folks like Brandon at, at TruckSafe, who you know you and I both know, and others who are you know doing everything we can to arm trucking companies with the knowledge, the tools, and the ability to to fight this battle. But it's 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 a real problem. Well, I, and I appreciate you are one of the good guys, and uh, you know it reminds me uh, to some degree. I had a, a the first uh, maybe the first or second podcast interview I did with Steve Bryan, you know uh, who who founded Blue Wire, and uh, you know they're the ones with the white hats, and I know. He made a really good uh, comment once where he referenced the fact that it's not the crash, even if it's a fatality, it's not the crash that leads to this humongous nuclear verdict. That crash just opened the door for, you know, the, the litigious, you know, plaintiff's attorney to who, who you, like you said, knows exactly what they're looking for. And they're going to find, you know, uh, dents in the armor, weaknesses, and, you know, and they're going to really you know, hone in and, and expose all this and it's negligence and all this sort of thing. And that's where the big, you know, risk is. And so the work that you're doing is fantastic. I do, we only have a, another, uh, you know, minute here. So I do want to ask you the deeper dive question, because I think it's really relates to recruiting and retention, which is, you know, everybody that listens and tunes in uh, to taking the higher road. And the question is how important is compliance and managing compliance for, and, how important is compliance and managing compliance to help us recruit and retain drivers better? That's a great question. 
that's a great question. The uh, the hard costs around compliance, the way that compliance, better compliance, taking your DOT compliance to the next level can save you real money are not a joke. Uh, a, a fleet of 30, 40 trucks can save several thousand dollars a month just by upping their game on compliance. And driver retention and driver recruiting is a key piece of that. It costs, and you know this better than I do, but basically understanding I have, it costs almost $10,000 to replace a driver. When you consider everything that's involved of, you know, a truck and trailer sitting empty, you're still paying payments on that asset. You're still paying insurance for that. You got to go identify this person. You got to bring them in, background checks, drug and alcohol tests, visiting the office, airplane costs, you know, hotels. It's replacing a driver, bringing a new driver is an expensive proposition. So anything you can do, and driver reach, of course, is is best in class at helping folks actively manage this and take their game to the next level when it comes to driver recruiting retention. Anything you can do to do that better, you owe it to yourself to do because it's going to help you save so much money. And the thing about compliance is that the best drivers, when they're applying to a trucking company or even looking to see which trucking companies to apply to, they're going to ask for your MC number. And what they're going to do with that is they're going to go to the FMCSA website and they're going to check their scores. And the reason is dead simple. Experienced quality drivers know that if the company is messing up on compliance, they are going to be targeted at the way station, at the scale house for an additional inspection. Is that a level one? Is that a level two? Is that a level three? They don't want to stick around to find out because they know that whatever gets uncovered, there's a decent chance that that ends up on their record as well as on the company's record. And we all know if a cop follows behind you all day, every day, sooner or later, you're not going to stop at the stop sign. You're going to fail to indicate before you make a turn. And if you're working for a trucking company that causes you to constantly be inspected, even the best driver knows that sooner or later, something's going to pop up and now I've got that on my record and I do not need that. So if you want to recruit the best drivers, if you want to retain the best drivers, having next level compliance is a very efficient way to improve your safety scores, which is going to let you keep and attract the best driver talent out there, which is, of course, a small part of, of the challenge that you guys think about you know, all day, every day. But we strongly believe and we have the data to prove that we can help create a tailwind to make it just that little bit easier to bring the best drivers in and to keep them in your company. Well, that's a really good point. And I'm curious, just for the audience here, if you could uh, share, how can they learn more about LogRock? Where can they find you? At LogRock.com. Feel free to shoot me uh, an email. I'm always happy to hear from all of our current customers, potential customers, partners, everybody out there. So my email is just hunter at LogRock.com. Don't hesitate to reach out. But of course, do learn more about us. Come to LogRock.com, book a demo, find out more, ask us any questions. We hope to speak to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hunter. Uh, great seeing you. And uh, I look forward to finally meeting you in person one of these days. Once one of these days. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jeremy. It's been fun. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the High Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. And remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the High Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road. 